This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, everyone. This is Bob Asman, your host for another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm really pleased to have joining me today, Rick King, who will introduce himself in just a moment. And our topic today is about the traveler experience. And you'll see why Rick is a great guest to talk about traveler experience once you hear his background. So listeners, please join me in welcoming Rick King to our podcast. Rick, uh, welcome and introduce yourself to our listeners. Hey, Bob, thanks. Uh, Glad to be here and and hello everybody. Uh, As Bob said, my name is Rick King. Today, I work at a company called Thomson Reuters, been there about 20 um, and a half years. Um, Currently the managing director there of operations, been the CIO, COO, CTO, a lot to do with technology and content and customer service over the years. Um, I think the, the purpose of the podcast is getting beyond a little bit that background, but I'm gonna give you a little more background. I've been uh, executive uh, in uh, Ceridian's uh, employer services at Jostens Learning at a company called YCAT Systems that did computer assisted uh, teaching in the early days. And I started my career as a math and uh, uh, computer science teacher in a high school in Vermont, and I was a football coach, a baseball coach, and a ice hockey official. And I got as far as uh, Division One college hockey, so I've got a lot of interesting experiences. But that's a different kind of user experience, Bob. Um, it, it is indeed. <laughs> let me let me get to the uh, let me get to the the background with the airport. Um, in 2011, I was named by Governor Dayton at the time uh, the, uh, to become a member of the 15-member management board called the Metropolitan Airports Commission, which runs the um, MSP airport, which is the big international airport and six smaller reliever airports in the greater um, Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Um, about two years ago, Governor Waltz, when he came aboard, Uh, named me as the chair of that. So I've been on the board since 2011, and I've chaired that board uh, since the beginning of Governor Walsh's term. Lots has happened in the airline business. You know, we, from 2011, all the way through um, the beginning of the pandemic, things were booming. I mean, we were growing, we were adding routes, we were talking to airlines to, uh, to, to try to get new flights from new destinations that our business travelers and our leisure travelers wanted. And all of a sudden in March of 2020, bang, it drops out and goes to, you know, at best case, it, we were 15 or 20% of what we had been year over year in uh, March of, of 2019. And each month during this pandemic has ebbed and flowed a little bit, but 
you know, we've never gotten higher than 50% of where we were, and we'd probably bump along closer to 30 to 40% of where we are. I would say that um, just to get into the insight from the customers, which is the people that fly, um, airlines and airports are, are, are independent entities, but each came to try to learn more about their customers at different times. I think the airlines in the 70s created frequent flyer programs and suddenly were gaining new insights about traveling, uh, their traveling public members. Uh, before that, it was hard for them to track that somebody was flying to Dallas and then connecting to Austin and that it was the same person on the same leg, believe it or not. Now hmm. today, of course, they know all kinds of things about you. They know what you like to drink. They know when your birthday is. They know whatever you tell them. And you tell them things that you can't imagine that you tell them because of all the kinds of cookies that are in all the different apps that are out there. Airports were a little later to the game, I think. Airports um, suddenly realized, and we realized this uh, a number of years ago before the pandemic, of course, that the more we understood about the passengers, the better we stood to be an exemplary airport, both in the US and across the world. In the last four years, we've won awards for our size airport and been at the top of our game. I think part of being on the top of our game was to collect data, analyze the data, and try to deliver things to customers in different ways. And I'll tell you, probably how that started, broadband at the airport. Those of you that travel, wow, you might remember back in the days when you had to register at the airport to get broadband and um, it cost you money to get broadband. It's gone from those days when it was actually hard to get connectivity to where everybody realizes that broadband is the on path to get connected to serve your customers better, as well as letting the customers get, get what they need. Bob, I think though late to the game, I think the airports, especially because they're contained and they want to serve their customers better and better have begun doing a lot more surveys and asking customers how to better serve them. So it's kind of interesting. And Rick, do you use those surveys in your meetings or how does that translate from what the passenger is or traveler is saying to, to the Mac board, for example? We absolutely use it. In fact, when I go back to the broadband question, um, mm -hmm. having higher speed and call it free broadband was the number one complaint list uh, item to the, that the Mac board looked at. And you can imagine with my background in technology, when I saw that on the top, I said, there's no reason for it. But we had to flip the whole thing because people were considering it a revenue source rather than a source of information about how to um, better serve the customers. So that's an example. But yes, in fact, at our last meeting, which was uh, this past Monday, uh, a week ago today, as we're talking um, and recording this podcast, we actually had our team that does something called a traveler sentiment survey report out to one of our committees about that survey. And we do that periodically during the year to determine 
how we're doing with our travelers, what they need that they don't get. And of course, around the pandemic time, trying to establish their uh, desire to come back uh, to travel and what the, what the um, particular issues are that they're concerned with. So uh, it's, it's really interesting just to give you the kind of questions that happen and we track it over time. Um, in the June timeframe this year, now realize travel was off quite a bit, 45% of our um, travelers were traveling alone. Um, that is below 40% in the October timeframe. So you might make some, uh, some deductions there that that they're that because of the pandemic, a lot of people are not necessarily traveling with family like they used to. Um, certainly, the the number of people that are traveling for work has dropped off to almost uh, almost nothing. But the surveys, uh, which you get people in our area, of course, because they are in your area to to to, to fly, but you also get people that connect through uh, your airport, through Minneapolis-St. Paul. So we're able to glean things that are, are people that uh, are from Florida, California, Texas, Seattle, New York, wherever they're flying from that might either have a destination in our area or be connecting through our airport. I guess it, it uh suggests that the next time we're approached in an airport with somebody wanting to take a survey, we ought to take it seriously because uh, the, the board certainly takes it seriously. The voice of the customer is, is clearly coming through in the actions you're taking. Uh, we abs absolutely true, Bob. So Rick, when, the, when you look at Minneapolis-St. Paul International and for people that haven't traveled there, uh, it certainly is a leader in terms of the, the, the environment that, that's been created there. And it seems like the airport is always trying to stay up to date. It, it, they're always, I mean, we joke about there's always construction at MSP, but it's, but it's oftentimes for the betterment of the traveler. Talk to us about how some of those things happen as well for the traveler where you're improving uh, luggage areas or access to the airport or the mall environment where you've got the stores and the restaurants. That's quite right, Bob. I mean, I think after you, after the surveys and we, we have sort of two kinds of surveys going on. So please answer all of them at every airport. One of them <laughs> good, good is done by the, <laughs> the airport council international, which is actually rating airports on a survey and that's the award that we won four years in a row by being the best airport. But that's not us collecting that data. That goes into a central uh, place with ACI and then they do the ratings for people. So that's a, that's a really important piece for, um, for us to be known for what we think we do pretty well. But to your point, the, the local people that we use are asking the questions around things about amenities. Um, once we got broadband taken care of, the next thing that people talk about all the time is restrooms, the cleanliness and availability of restrooms. And we have embarked on a multi-year uh, restroom refurbishment. And if you go into the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport, you'll see a lot of um, Minnesota art mosaics in the entryway of the uh, 
the washrooms, you'll see a lot of, of the um, plumbing is all activated by motion so that you're not touching anything, which is particularly great uh, these days with the pandemic. But modernizing uh, those things um, was a major piece of effort and it's something you have to continue to do. And that bears itself out in the surveys from the traveling public. The other thing that the public's concerned about is getting you know, a, a bite of food or a drink or something along the way. And, and we actually um, break our flyers down, our, our customers down into categories, um, personas, if you will, from the view of uh, CX folks, because we've, we have people who are with families who come in and they want a fast food option. They are economy minded. So you have certain restaurants that deal in, in um, the lower pricing, probably doesn't have seating. It's probably mostly takeout, things like that, all the way up to a business traveler who might be on an expense account or having a meeting there. They might want to go to a sit-down restaurant with a little bit uh, different types of food and wine options. And we've got to make some uh, provisions for them and everybody in between. The variance in the pallets is another thing. Uh, it's not just fast food or uh, fast casual or uh, uh, more elegant dining, but it's um, making sure you have the right kind of choices. Everything can't be burgers and beef. And of course, there's this strong drive for the kind of coffee that you like. Of course, I, I love the, the com comment about their personas, Rick. And, and I, I guess I'm not surprised that broadband and restrooms would be one and two on the list of what travelers want. Um, because obviously, uh, in this day and age of smartphones and, and laptops, we need the broadband. And of course, oftentimes between flights, we're, we're headed to the, to the washroom and we want them to be clean. It makes, makes a lot of sense to me that those would rise to the top. Rick, you mentioned the cleanliness component, and I know that uh, once the pandemic hit, um, after reading the, the MAC newsletter and, and your communications, and by the way, if you're a frequent traveler into and out of Minneapolis, St. Paul International, I would highly encourage you to sign up for the, for the newsletter because it gives you great information and insight into what's happening at the airport. But what have you and the board and the airport staff done to improve the safety and, and cleanliness of, of MSP? Well, there's, there's quite a bit, Bob. And I think um, I'll, I'll say at the, at the macro level, we have something, a program that we call Travel Confidently. And our goal as a board with the staff was for us to be the top airport or among the top airports in terms of being trusted to be safe and healthy and to be able to travel through. So we wanted to be ready. We want the airlines to know that we're totally uh, working on that. We want the workers that are there, whether they work for the MAC or they work for third parties, to know that we're gonna put all kinds of effort into um, taking care of people. And um, we, we, we did that. We do that, we revise that, we have a, we have a, a, a COVID playbook that we run all the time and the program uh, Travel Confidently helps us make sure that people know what, what to do. 
we did things, you know, everybody sees the social distance markers throughout the all the places they go these days. Of course, they're, they're in the airports. We make sure um, everything from the bins that the TSA uses to make sure that they're cleaned, that they're anti-microbial con containers, which we had to replace some of the old ones. Um, we took out all of um, the existing um, devices that might have caused you to have to press something to get soap, to get any kind of cleanser. We installed over 200 extra dispensers throughout, uh, automatic dispensers throughout the airport so that people could use hand sanitizers quite often, particularly after they had some kind of interaction. Plexiglass panels like you see at a lot of the retail places and um, worked with our partners like the airlines to make sure there was no place where this, and TSA where there was no place where it dropped off in between. And we constantly clean. We The cleaning regime is a lot more than it was before, not just in the restroom areas, but all the way through trying to make sure that things are wiped down a lot more often. And we believe that that will help us recover when the time comes, when people are uh, vaccinated and they feel comfortable. We want them to know that we've been way ahead of it. Before the governor of Minnesota instituted a mask um, requirement under his executive order, we um, declared a state of emergency in the airport and that allowed us to do certain things rather quickly compared to the normal processes of uh, creating ordinances and so forth. And we immediately made masks mandatory in the airport. Shortly thereafter, they were made mandatory in the state and on the plane. So when you come in from the time you get into the enclosed areas, people should be wearing masks all the way through, except where they're taking it off just to uh, eat or, or drink and then putting it back on while they're chewing or swallowing, so to speak. So we've, we believe that we're, that we're doing everything possible with all these partners to make it uh, make it safe to travel, including um, a testing location that we spun up with the Minnesota Department of Health in the Terminal 1 parking area. So we dedicated a piece of the parking area to a place where people could go in and get COVID testing. Ultimately, um, we've had thousands of people go through there, but we also know that eventually uh, destination locations beyond the number that do require it today will we'll ultimately say, we want evidence that the people um, have a negative COVID test. And of course, ultimately it's gonna be, we want evidence that there was a vaccination that took place. So we continue to stay uh, up on that, both with the federal government and our state government, Bob, but there's nothing, if you're not safe, there's nothing you can do to recover from traveling. and. It is in all of our best interests that we uh, do, we, we make the airport the safest place we can. It certainly sounds that way, Rick. And I know uh, travelers uh, appreciate that immensely knowing they're in a safe and, and secure environment. And Rick, oftentimes as travelers, we probably take a lot of things for, for granted that's going on at the airport where we're busy trying to catch our flight or get our luggage or get the car parked or whatever it might be. Do you have any insights about, you know, maybe some tidbits of information or what's going on behind the scenes that travelers don't notice, but 
give us the opportunity to make sure we're catching our flights and getting our luggage. Any, any stories to share or insights from being the, the chair of the board that you might not have known about before you were involved in the airport? Well, I think a couple things come to mind. One is the airport is in the tail end of a $1.6 billion expansion. So you're going to see new flooring. You're going to see a wider, lighter place with more windows, more space. Um, that includes down in the baggage claim area where a lot of the old baggage claim units are being replaced one by one. And it allows a lot better lighting, um, a lot better uh, uh, ability to get in and get your luggage, all the things that are important to travelers. I think Normally, you see that every time you go. Bob, you and I traveled for a lot long time, and we go every week. So week to week, you see a little bit of change. But imagine what's going to happen when a whole bulk of our people go back um, after, let's say, a year of not seeing the airport. There's an amazing amount of changes. And those are the changes in the concourse, the changes in the security line. When you go out to... Um, where all of the eating and the establishments are that you buy a paper or a coffee. Um, a lot of them have come in refurbished. They're new. We continually turn those over um, to, to keep the fresh offerings out there in a really attractive place for people. For those people that fly Delta, Delta is in the midst of refurbishing the, the Sky Club around Concourse F. Um, they'll be reopening the Sky Club around C, and uh, in a really, really big piece of news, they're going to build a brand new, very large Sky Club in Concourse G because we're expanding all of Concourse G, and that's going to be um, really a state-of-the-art place. So those kind of things happen all the time. This year, we, um, toward the end of last year, I should say, we opened a brand new silver ramp um, so that you can see that when you drive in the airport. You've been watching that uh, go up. But the new thing in parking is also being able to um, park a pre-booked parking so that if you know you're going in there, you can actually reserve uh, a slot in one of the parking garages before you actually get to the airport um, and decide where you want to go. So it allows for better planning on your part, um, and you know you've got surety of having a space. Um, that's extremely popular. And I'll tell you, one of the things um, I think this early on, I was talking about data and CX and how data drives you to be able to do better things with your customers. So I almost think they're uh, like they're, they're, uh, they're siblings of each other, but we are have embarked on uh, dynamic pricing for parking. So the idea is that within thresholds, of course, if you have a lot of parking availability, the price goes down. If you have, you're tighter on parking, the price gets higher. Up, it won't go higher than we currently have it, but mostly what it does is it goes down. And we're experimenting with that. I think it's gonna be a great tool and it will really be good for people that are always looking for uh, premium parking because if they go in during uh, a time when they can get that, it'll be a lot cheaper than they're used to. But you can't do those kind of things without knowing what your customers are doing. And you've got to have customer insight in order to give them a really a good experience. 
And part of that insight is people, almost everyone is walking around with their mobile device in their hand. And if it's connecting to our free Wi-Fi, then we have a lot of insight about what you do as you check, go through the, uh, the, the check-in, you go through the TSA line, how long does that take? Then you go through um, what you do in terms of grabbing a bite to eat or, or getting to your gate, whatever people's habits are. And we want to enhance that along the way. We've talked about whether we make coupons available to people that we know enjoy getting a coffee, something like that, through knowing where they are via um, their, their mobile phone. So the opportunities are endless. There's obviously the concern about too much of that maybe gets to look like an infringement on privacy. So you've got to do the kind of balancing that you can. But we find that people are really excited when something is very relevant to what they, what they really want and then giving them a chance to opt out if they don't want to see those options in the future. Rick, at a time when so many organizations uh, withdrew or, or suspended their customer experience initiatives, it sounds like uh, MSP International said, we've got to continue to improve the airport and be ready for when travelers return in mass uh, once the pandemic is under control, which is really great to hear and an example of how continuing to build on a customer experience is so important. Rick, uh, before we wrap up our podcast, I always like to give our guests the opportunity to share any final thoughts with our listeners. So this is that opportunity, Rick. Well, thanks, Bob. I appreciate uh, you know being asked to talk about this. I'm really um, a big enthusiast for a good customer experience, as well as a data-driven set of things, as you could probably tell from what I've said. And um, from the airport perspective, we know from our surveys that people, people's willingness to travel, let's say tomorrow, has greatly increased, because that's the question we ask from the beginning of the pandemic. And that's exactly what we want. When business travel kicks back in, we want to be ready. We will be ready. And we're going to keep gleaning the insights. But we also take insights from people that just send in emails or make a call and tell us what their experience is like. And if your experience is good, we love to hear it, but if there's something we can do to make it better, absolutely let us know. Um, I think that uh, the airport here in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul is, is waiting for its customers uh, to get their shots and come on back. And I hope, uh, hope to see people there soon. If there's anything I can do, uh, as you said, tune into that um, monthly set uh, or, or quarterly newsletter that I send out. Um, and, and uh, the airport director sends them out as well and uh, let us know how we can help. Thank you, Rick. You've been listening to Rick King, chair of the Metropolitan Airports Commission at Minneapolis-St. Paul International, talk about the traveler experience and the many things that he and the board and the staff at MSP have been doing to uh, focus in on customers and prepare for when travelers return. And this has been another episode of All Things Considered CX. Please share this podcast after you listen to it to your colleagues in your networks and stay tuned for more editions of this podcast coming soon. Thank you, listeners. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.